Hello there, welcome along to episode 7 of Stranded at Third Base. I'm Kev, I'll be your host, to, well, I say tonight, I'm so used to saying tonight, but it's actually in the morning. This is the first time I've ever done one of these with a cup of tea in my hand. Uh, but I'm absolutely delighted to say this week's castaway is Ryan Ferguson. How you doing, Ryan? Yeah, not bad, Kev, you? I'm good, mate, I'm good, thanks. It's great to get you on, and yeah, it's a bit weird on a Sunday morning, but it's uh, <laughs> it's all good, mate. It makes a change to sitting with a beer in my hand, that's for sure. <laughs> So I've been really looking forward to this one, Ryan. Um, you know, I think, I've made, oh God, how long have we known each other? I say known each other, but been communicating yeah. with each other through Twitter and stuff. Yeah, it's like the classic British baseball communication. Yeah. Isn't it? You know, I think like maybe I was on the forums years ago, maybe just when they were winding down a little bit, I think. Maybe. Yeah, um, 2012, something like that, maybe. Yeah, and then Twitter, obviously. Like, yeah. The same guys who sort of like supported your work and stuff. And like yeah. you say, just, just communicating back and forth. Yeah. So it's it's been a while now, hasn't it? Yeah. That's probably a decade. I mean, it's, it's been good. It's been good. And I've, I've always loved your work. Um, but we'll dive into that when we, we start talking about it. So how this works for anyone that hasn't listened before. This is not a rip-off of Desert Island Discs, honestly. But basically what we're going to do is we'll get a mix of some of Ryan's stories and his favourite songs. So there's six questions and six songs. So I'll ask the questions, Ryan will give us his sort of feedback on it and then he'll give us a wee bit of an intro to each of his songs uh, and why he chose them. These are great fun. It's a great way to get to know other, other baseball fans. And I know this is seen as a Yankees podcast, but honestly... It's, I could open this up to any fans of any team, and we might do that in the future. So, Ryan, tell me, what was life like growing up? Yeah, so I think fairly typical sort of working-class upbringing, really. Um, I was born in, in Birkenhead, which is just across the Mersey from, from Liverpool. Um, quite a quite a tough place in terms of, you know, it's, it's quite rough and, and rugged, really, but uh, also very sort of, you know, a proud history as well, and um, I think a lot of people tend to throw back and head in with Liverpool. Obviously, you've just got like a yeah. tunnel, you know, basically a mile between each other. But um, you know, it's actually there's, there's quite a lot of pride in in Wirral and Birkenhead itself as you know its, its own place, and it's always been seen as like a almost like an underdog in the shadow, really. Um, so yeah, it was that was sort of you know my sort of background, really. I sort of grew up on a council estate uh, about 10, 15 minutes away from from Birkenhead, so. Uh, in a place called Brombro, which is it's like a, a small small town slash village, really. Um, yeah. yeah, just just you know working class upbringing. You know, we didn't have didn't have much money, but it was we had a big family, a lot of you know a lot of love, a lot of sort of great memories and stuff. Um, it gave gives you a really good ground, and I think that that type of background um, in in your values and stuff. So yeah, I agree with that completely. I you know, I was yeah. sort of. Uh, you know, basically sport, sports obsessed for, from an early age in that respect. You know, I think it was, it's almost a bit of escapism, isn't it? When, when yeah. you have that sort of background. Um, so obviously I was a big Trammy Rovers fan. That's the, you know, the the uh, the Birkenhead team, you know, in the lower leagues here. Um, um, obviously went to my first game when I was about six and just, just hooked then really, and, you know, all forms of sports and just, um, you know, reading and writing and, you know, the, 
that that became another passion of mine, which was it was quite different, really, in terms of like the, the other kids around me and the other the other, the other lads growing up and stuff. It was uh, you know it didn't tend to be something they were really that bothered in, bothered with, you know, writing, reading, and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, but it's that sense of otherness, really, that I think you know really matches well with with sort of baseball fans in, in the UK. It's that sort of your own sort of thing, isn't it? Um, yeah. And I think there's that sort of camaraderie between people as a result of that, really. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I can certainly relate to your upbringing as well. And I, I think although it was a, he kind of grew up in a tough area, and I, I was kind of similar. It's it didn't seem that bad from the outside. Look, people looking in probably think it looks worse than it did. It felt when you were there, growing up in it. It was just normal. It was just the way life was. And yeah, exactly. You made your own fun and stuff like that. You know, you were never. I don't think I can't ever remember wanting for anything. Um, no, no. So I, yeah, I, I can kind of relate to that completely. But yeah, I think you do need to be a little bit kind of different in that environment, certainly to be to be doing the kind of writing that you've done over the years. That's something that would jump out to me for sure. Yeah, exactly. I think like you know all the lads, you know, my age that were sort of wanting to be the you know the typical footballers and stuff like that. Yeah. And there's me. I was sort of. I was obsessed with like news and stuff and sat there, you know, idolizing like Trevor McDonald and all the lads, <laughs> you know, you know taking the piss really like, but um, now it's uh, like you say, it's always just been, I've been obsessed with like stories and you know, just, just information. And I think that's, that's great for, for baseball, you know, the history of yeah. the sport and stuff. That's what sort of really drew me in as well. You know, um, it's just endless, isn't it really? The, the yeah. History when you go back. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's sort of my upbringing. Um, still live in the area. Um, yeah, just basically, as I say, worked as a, worked as a journalist for a bit, um, as a writer as well, and um, gradually sort of drifted away from that into to more of a sort of uh, corporate job, if you like. Um, yeah. yeah, still still very much my passion, you know, is, is writing and blogging and stuff like that. So, yeah, that, that's sort of my background. It's definitely something that you were kind of born with. You can tell by, you know, because... You, you have to be a wee bit brave in that kind of working class environment to to stand out for the crowd and do something a bit different. And there's plenty of other people have done it over the years and done it really successfully, but it's definitely a different path from 99% of the, your peers, if you like. So, But your writing style is fantastic, mate. I've always liked it, even right from the very beginning. There's a lot of people who do who do these online sort of blogs and stuff. Man, I, I can't read their stuff. You know, they just fill it with inane bullshit a lot of the time yeah. where your writing style just keeps you kind of hooked it's it's fantastic it's something i think it's a talent you were born with for sure um but yeah great stories so will that lead us into song one or is there anything else you want to fill in before we go yeah that'll lead into it mate yeah yeah cool all right so i've got to admit i'm not familiar with this song at all so okay. right okay so yeah it, it leads into uh so my first song really which is um yeah, it's from from a local a, a local guy really, and I think he, a lot of people will be more familiar with him in in a band that he was in um, called the Coral. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Going back, I think he was the, the bass player in there. So it's um, it's Bill Ryder Jones. Basically, he was uh, he, he grew up. I think he still lives in in West Kirby, which is again on the Wirral, basically yeah. um, 10, 20 minutes from me, and. Uh, yeah, it's it's a great. I think he's very underrated um, as a as a songwriter. Um, yeah, and this story just you know it's about it's about Birkenhead and, and sort of growing up. Uh, you know in that sort of 
that space really and i think it's it really resonates with my story brilliant so this is two to birkenhead take me somewhere i'm not likely to forget two singles to birkenhead two Liking that, it's um, he's got a very distinctive style. Um, as I say, I think he sort of broke away from from the coral a little bit. Um, I think it was on it was on good terms, like and all that. But uh, yeah, yeah, he's very sort of underrated, and I think he's uh, definitely one you know, people should should look out for if they're looking for something a bit, but know, a yeah. bit different, a bit fresh. You can you can definitely hear a little bit of the sort of coral sound in it a little bit, but but yeah, very different. I like that. Yeah, oh. definitely. He's great live as well. I think he um, he struggles with a you know a bit of anxiety. I think, and maybe maybe he doesn't like performing that yeah. much. But uh, you know, once he actually gets out there, I think he's he's brilliant. Like he's been to a few of his gigs, and he's just so he the audience sort of you know in the palm of his hand. Like it's uh, it's great. Great stuff. Brilliant. Right, this question is going to be interesting, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> so, when did you become a Yankees fan and why? Right, well, as you know, Kev, this is uh, quite a long and complicated story in my case. <laughs> uh, so complicated, in fact, I had to, to write a book about it, which just uh, yeah. to get the full explanation out there. But, um, yeah, essentially, I, I stumbled across baseball, um, like many, many British fans, you know, on, on the Channel 5 show back in the day with, with Johnny, Josh, yeah, Dave Lingale, Eric, yeah. uh, probably 2004 or Um I think Five had a great sports package back then. They did. Sort of, uh, you know, as I say, coming from sort of like a football-obsessed background, I was always watching the the Argentinian football with, you know, Boca Juniors and, wow, yeah. uh, you know, the, the Dutch football as well at the time where they, they'd have games on from sort of Ajax, Feyenoord, PSV. Um, it was it was brilliant. Like, and I used to, I remember I used to stay up as a kid, you know, just, just watching these these games that they'd have on in the middle of the night. Um, I think it was waiting for a, a Dutch football game one week and it was sort of, it just didn't appear on on the telly. It was like, the baseball was on before it, I think, and it was in a in a rain delay. Um, right. And they, they used to throw on like a documentary or something while they were waiting for obviously the game <laughs> to start. And I think it was um, it was a documentary about the the Red Sox World Series win in two thousand and four. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, exactly. Um, I was I was captivated like the first time I'd ever sort of you know encountered baseball, and 
such a such a dramatic storyline it was uh you know it really sort of held me viewing and it was um you know i became more interested started reading reading books looking at the news and stuff and uh yeah i did i did become a, a red sox fan uh at the <laughs> which you know it's uh i'm aware it's very sort of uh, hostile territory for this podcast definitely <laughs> it's kind of understandable though because that was what drew you in and exactly. i think for a lot, lot of people over here their kind of first experience of the sport definitely kind of drives where they go with it um i was kind of quite fortunate in the fact that i, I probably was drawn to the yankees in terms of they were winning at the time yeah. but i, I kind of just the players in that team i just loved there was just so many good players yeah. on it and i kind of as much as i despise Boston, they did have some serious talent on that team, and yeah, you know, yeah, it was it was an iconic time, wasn't it? I think you know, I mean, Pedro Martinez is one yeah. of the great, greatest ever. Do you know what I mean? They just had and big papi and stuff like that. Yeah, Manny was, as well. He was Manny, yeah, so like enigmatic and so so. It was yeah, it, um, and obviously you know at that time it was probably the only. Obviously, I'd heard that the Yankees just as a, as a brand and stuff, but. It was the first team, you know. I didn't really start looking at other teams. It was just that that was the team that was sort of in front of me, and uh, obviously then yeah, I became really hooked, really, and watched the five show religiously. And remember the old game day where you used to sit there watching like graphics on the screen. It wasn't even uh, it, wasn't <laughs> it was even terrible. TV, yeah, yeah. So three in the morning watching these cartoons. It was just uh, madness. But it, yeah, they, they won the the World Series in two thousand and seven. Obviously. Um, and then, you know, that the, the big turning point for me, it all changed, I guess, in around 2010 when uh, John Henry, uh, the Red Sox owner, he bought Liverpool, um, yeah. which, yeah, I mean, as I've said, the, the, the Birkenhead Liverpool thing, it's very sort of, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's quite contentious. As, yes, as I'm sure I can you understand. Can, uh, yeah, I can understand that, yeah. Um, and uh, when you when you sort of grown up around here, it's, it's that sort of, resentment that you're in the in the shadow of the big city and it's just sort of ingrained in you i think and i think obviously with the, the celtic rangers stuff yourself kevin you probably yeah. understand elements of that that sort of rivalry and it, it can be quite nonsensical at times oh yeah uh, without a doubt i mean that's what sports rivalries are yeah. about but, but I, I, funnily enough when you say that i had um family growing up so it was my, it was actually my granddad's cousin frankie and lil and they were from the world and everyone up yeah. here just said they were from liverpool yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? That was like, yeah. oh, they're from Liverpool. But then I actually found out they were, was my dad had said, no, they're from the world. Yeah. And I never knew what that was at first. Then he explained to me, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting because obviously my, my surname, Ferguson, um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing it, I'm working on a book at the moment, which is like, it's about sort of mental health. And I've, I've traced yeah. um, my family history back as well, you know, as part of that, just to see you know, the whole debate about, you know, where mental health problems arise and stuff. All right. And sort of like nature or nurture i think and i yeah. back into it to my family and obviously there's a lot of you know it originates from, from scotland and scotland stuff, so. yeah it's a scottish name ferguson isn't it yeah up, up in Ayrshire. so um yeah quite quite interesting and they obviously came family moved then to, to birkenhead for, for the shipbuilding um yeah that's where they sort of settled then um but yeah so basically just to, to, to go back basically when i was i was about 16 at the time i think when when yeah john henry bought liverpool so Probably reacted quite immaturely, really. You know, <laughs> I like that though. <laughs> it's the kind but, of thing I would do. Yeah, and I just, yeah. I just thought, yeah, I can't, you know, I can't keep rooting for these guys. You know, 
I, I had this thing in my head. It was just like, if, if, if I was going to buy a hoodie or a, you know, a subscription or anything, it was going to trickle into Liverpool, you know, <laughs> whose success sort of threatened the existence of Tramier. And it was like, yeah, you know, looking back, maybe a bit, bit immature but uh yeah that was that that was me done really and it was sort of I was in the wilderness with, with baseball for, for a while I think I just sort of fell out of love with it a little bit um you know after that I didn't really have a, a team as such I probably watched a few games you know more more like stadiums and uniforms that you know yeah feeling at that time really um probably the, you know the Cubs and Dodgers and stuff maybe just uh you know probably those games maybe just stuck out to me but um you know in the meantime I was sort of as I say just becoming you know getting my getting my sort of uh stars in journalism at the time as well um, yeah. writing and blogging uh, and I, I did a few as you say a few a few baseball pieces around that time um I think it was about 2013 actually um which is where the Yankees actually start coming into play so um, yeah, you remember sort of New York City FC, which was um, right, yeah. Man favorite. City and Yankees, obviously partnered on on that, that club. Um, and I began to hear sort of whispers at that point, really, um, about the games maybe coming to coming to the UK off the back of that. Uh, I think that was where it really started. Um, and I was I was doing some digging, just uh, reporting on it and stuff, just. For the prospects of you know what it could mean for for British baseball and could yeah. get a bit more sort of exposure and stuff off the back of that, um, and you know I just reached out to the Yankees as part of the article and just said you know what what are your plans you know for for if yeah. you if you're going to be sort of you know partnering with Manchester City is there going to be anything sort of reciprocated over here do you know what I mean um, I wasn't really expecting much of a reply really maybe a stop quote or something yeah. Um, but they actually they were they were fascinated really that there was interest over here um, and they were just uh, they were very keen to sort of learn more about me and stuff and they, they ended up sending over sort of like a bag of goodies and stuff yeah. and a letter and um, obviously I realised like they, they probably got millions stashed away each year for, for this kind of stuff in the budget you know fan outreach and stuff like that but it was it was great for me I think you know when we are sort of following North American sports from, from Britain. I think it's it's quite tenuous, really, trying to find a link to um, a team to support. Yeah. Um, yes. Might be, like you say, just a player or you know a colour that the team wears or something. So yeah. when, the, when the team sort of comes to you and gives you a reason to sort of, you know, yeah, look at them in a different light, I think it was, uh, you know, it was really eye-opening for me. It's a small gesture from them, but means a lot to you. And I could see Not that. It's it's just yeah. I mean, I could I could fully get on board with that because it's as I say, you're not expecting anything, but you send it away speculatively. Yeah. And they actually they get on board with it and go, well, why is this guy interested? What's going on over there? It's brilliant. Yeah, it really they sent me like um, jerseys and caps and stuff, and uh, you know, yeah, as I say, a letter and stuff with Yankees letterhead, and you know, just it was. I've still got it framed now in my room right. here. It's. Uh, you know, it really did pull me in and then obviously started, um, you know, watching games in a different light, um, yeah. you know, just a, a bit more respect for, for, for that sort of the history and tradition, you know, that just pulled me in really. And I think it was Derek Jesus' last 
last season, I think, 2014. Yeah, 14, yeah. Um, and yeah, I just got got on board with that whole sort of story. I'd always admired Cheetah anyway, you know, as a, just a yeah. modern professional. Um, but then, yeah, it started rooting for, for the Yankees, you know, just to try and get in the playoffs in his last season. And then, um, you know, it's, uh, it's sort of just stuck around with me then and it's just uh you know totally sort of transformed from that point um you know it's quite taboo isn't it to change sports teams you know especially when you're, you're yeah. a rival um but but i always say that you know since i have become a yankees fan they, they've not really given us much to shout about no. well that's what i was actually going to say <laughs> you could certainly maybe be termed a glory hunter for taking on the red sox in 2004 but <laughs> there's no way taking on the Yankees at the point you did you could be seen as a glory hunter because it was pretty yeah. pretty bleak times for the team yeah, um, yeah. and it still is at the moment to be fair but yeah you know I need to mention this your book is fantastic I'm not an avid reader but I absolutely loved your book oh, now the this is a much shortened version of what you're given here so if anybody is interested in this story and it is and as I said Ryan's writing style is fantastic it's well worth a read what's the book called? It's called Conflict. Uh, you Conflict. find it on, on Amazon and stuff. But uh, it is very much, as you say, a British sort of perspective on, on baseball fandom. So, yeah, probably of interest to, to a lot of people, I'd imagine. I would think so. I mean, it's, I mean, some people might turn their nose up at it because you've turned into a Yankees fan and everyone hates the Yankees. But it is an interesting story of how, you, how a lot of us get into baseball. I love the kind of nostalgic side of it when you were talking about baseball on five because it just brought yeah. me right back to there and it's so descriptive the way you describe it and it just took me right back to kind of you know watching that at crazy hours in the in the morning and stuff like that and johnny and josh were fantastic you know we had them on we had both of them on podcast back in the day and they were absolutely brilliant and they loved absolutely loved reminiscing about it as well it was yeah. great so and i think they've been quite supportive of you well oh, josh certainly yeah um you know the I've been fortunate actually Josh is you know I've got to know him on, on email and stuff and yeah. I've seen him in London actually at the, at the games and stuff and uh, Johnny as well you know they've passed along opportunities and stuff for me with me writing and uh, they've always sort of give me you know put, put my writing out there which I'm always thankful for and just just great guys they I, are. I think it was it was a special time I, I don't think you could recreate it now nah, um, I think everything's just, changed they're a bit politically correct now aren't we for some of the, yeah. some of the stuff that you know yeah when he got away with certainly <laughs> as you that's one of the things I have to say about Josh uh when we did bases loaded um five live took on some baseball coverage yeah. And they were kind of struggling for to put a team together, and Josh recommended us. Yeah. And Five Live came to us, and we actually one of our guys, Andy, he had more time, and he kind of spent a quite. Uh, I think he'd done about four, maybe four or five shows, yeah. as a sort of analyst on um, on Five Live's coverage of baseball, which is fantastic for a small yeah. podcast like us. It had just started out to kind of. He just respected what we were doing and thought we knew enough about the game that we could offer some insight into it. And yeah, I mean that just shows you the level of the guy. You know, he, he actually recommended us to the BBC, which is yeah, it's it brilliant, was... Josh. I think um, the whole I think it was the longest running longest running show on five when it when it came to an end. I think um, it was uh, a shame. It was a shame because yeah. I think having it on terrestrial TV opened it up to a much wider audience. Yeah, um, yeah. But I do think things have changed. You know, back then when I sort of got into it, it was five channels on TV. 
and I've told this story many times. I, I was a student at the time, so I was kind of wide awake on a Sunday night, and there was nothing else on telly, and that was how I got into it. It wasn't that I kind of seek, well, went seeking it out or anything. It just I stuck it on one night, and I was like, the guys were entertaining, and they kind of drew you into it. And as I kind of learned, they were really good at educating you on the the you know be, baseball with so many terms going on that can kind of bamboozle you at first, but they kind of they treated you all like you know let's learn about the game together and yeah, i loved absolutely. that about it i absolutely loved it and it got me to learn so much about the sport and the kind of all the stuff they talk about and all that and just drew me in really i think like you know we have like bt now don't we and uh, you know mlb tv and i think there's nothing more annoying for me between innings on mlb tv when oh. them recurring uh same old clips that you just but it was worse when it was just that remember just that message yeah, we, yeah, are on, yeah. we are on a break. We'll be yeah, back soon. Break oh, yeah. I think, like, like on the five show, between innings was almost just as enjoyable as the, the actual. It game. was. It was quite fun, wasn't it? You had the emails and like interaction and stuff. And it was. Uh, it really was well right. done, and it, it, that's what I mean. That that drew you in as much as the sport. Yeah. Because exactly. the guys were entertaining. It was fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so that brings us on to song two. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, not a band I know a great deal about in terms of from that perspective, but slightly before my my era, I think. Um, yeah. But the song, obviously, it's it's well known, uh, and I think it's uh, you know it's really sort of resonant with with my story. Um, given what I've said about the Red Sox Yankees, I think it, it'll probably make a lot of sense to people. R.E.M. were the biggest band in the world in the sort of early 90s. Yeah, sort of yeah. Early mid-90s, they were massive. I think they signed the biggest record deal ever. And I'd never seen them live, and i seen them playing live at Teen Apart one one year. And I don't know if Michael Stipe was just in a mood or something, but I didn't enjoy the gig at all. Yeah. I really didn't. Yeah. I thought it, there was no audience interaction at all, and I, I, was, I got a little bit bored with them. But it's I like can see what... Mega American bands, you know, they just yeah. sort of... They have massive popularity, don't they? Almost yeah, like yeah, they're huge. I'm pretty sure they signed the biggest record deal back then, and yeah. they were the big. They were probably were the biggest band in the world at that time. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, good choice. I can I see why you chose that. There's actually a link as well to, to British baseball because I don't know if you remember that the first ever baseball book I I got was called Roads to Redemption by um, Craig Thomas. It was a, okay. It was a British British baseball fan. Um, and I remember he went on the Five show years ago, like advertising right. his book and stuff. Um, and it's like it's it was like a guide for for like a a UK sort of perspective. And uh, okay. 
anyway, he, he's got a book earlier called Losing My Religion, so the same same sort of uh, <laughs> title. And I think it, it, it follows how um, he was a football fan. I think he was a Chesterfield fan. All right. Um, and the book sort of charts how he sort of fell out of love with football a little bit, going into like the, the late 90s when it was yeah. really commercialised and, and how baseball obviously became... Is, is real passion as a result of that. So I think, again, a lot of people could probably relate to that as well, just in terms of baseball being a bit, I don't know, it's just a different prospect, isn't it? To, to yeah. It's, it, it's just that, I think with football and, and a lot of sports like that, you need to engage for 45 minutes solid. You know, you're, you've got to concentrate on it. You don't even want to go to the toilet. You want to kind of focus on the game. You don't want to miss a single bit of action. With baseball, it's kind of more... You know, you can have other stuff going on, but you're still tuned into the game because there's there's breaks yeah. and there's stuff going on. You know when the you know when the kind of key points are going to happen and when the guys are up in a big spot and stuff like that. So, I, I kind of like having you know I can have baseball on my tablet and stuff like that, and watch it while I'm still doing other stuff and 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 still see the whole game kind of thing. So yeah, I even love listening on the radio. You know, in the summer if you're in the garden yeah. or you know, doing a bit of. Know, a bit of work in the garden or whatever just having it on the background like it, say, it's, it's brilliant life such a great sport for for radio yeah i think radio actually when you look at the history of the game radio played a big part in driving its popularity and saving it from from um i know i bang on about it all the time but that ken burns yeah, baseball yeah. documentaries i must watch if you can oh, it's brilliant it's, yeah it's uh it's fascinating isn't it yeah it's such a great sport okay so question three <laughs> I actually know your answer to this one because I actually met you before it. If you've seen the Yankees live, tell us about tell us about it and what's your favourite game you've attended? Yeah, so I think like like a lot of us, the, the London games, I think um, the ones we always sort of hark back to, aren't they? I think um, yeah. it's actually the, the, the only games I've ever been to live. I've always sort okay, of yeah. planned to get to the States. Um, it's just, just hasn't happened for, for one reason or another. Um so yeah, for me, it was even more heightened London. Yeah. It was just, you know, my first experience of live baseball um, after so many years, just as I say, watching it through all all means, really, you know, just, yeah. uh, it was, it really was a dream, dream come true, you know, meeting, meeting so many faces, putting, yeah. almost like putting faces to avatars, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, mate, it was, it was just, um, um, for, for all of us, I think it, it was the same thing, you know, people we'd talked to for years online and stuff like that, yeah. and actually meeting them in person and having a beer and stuff, it was great. Yeah, exactly, I think um, Mark actually helped me out with a ticket um, right, yeah. for the second game, and I'm forever grateful, I, I probably owe him actually, because I, I managed to get a a signed ball in those seats Did you? from Mark Shearer. Oh, um, man. He was there on telly doing doing telly like so. Uh, managed to get a get a signed ball. I've got it. There. Probably owe it to Mark at some point. Like you know, one of my favourite players too. Yeah, love it, mate. Love it. That's brilliant. Never live that down. Like I don't uh, think Blakey would would, would um would want it back. It's uh, it was just it was phenomenal weekend, wasn't it? It was just um, I'll never forget what the Yankees did in the in the community as well. I think they yeah. reached out to the London Mets. Um, Obviously, you know, one of the, the best British baseball teams. Um, and they, they gave them a load of equipment, a big truck full of equipment for uh, yeah. last them for a long time. And I think some of the some of the guys actually I think it was like it was like Mariano Rivera, A-Rod. A-Rod, there was quite a few of them, yeah. yeah. I think the Yankees, without a doubt, embraced the London series yeah. way more than Boston. And that's Absolutely. not saying that from a Yankees fan perspective. I think as an organization, 
you know, he only had to listen to R two C two and how much the players were into it. And big, I mean, he extended his years contract to the Yankees because he wanted to play in London. But you could just see the Yankees were enjoying it and they were right into it. I didn't get that same sort of feeling for Boston. And as you say, yeah. the, the the Yankees had even like the the sort of media Yankees media people and stuff like that were working so much more into it in the community and. Um, Chris, it's on our podcast. He's quite heavily involved in British baseball. He was away doing stuff with them. They had scouts coming along to look at, um, at British players and all that kind of stuff. The yeah. coaches down coaching them and all that. I think it is fantastic what happened. More brought, than just the two games. Yeah, yeah. They they brought like ambassadors with them, as I said, and you know, I yeah. think the Red Sox they probably just it's more like a business trip. They they just sort of, you know, you can understand that to a certain extent. Yeah. So I think with the NFL games, I think now sometimes. But those teams can see it almost like a, a hindrance, isn't it? You know, coming yeah, over. It's still a long journey, uh, but yeah. But definitely, like you say, it was uh, the Yankees gave it full, full sort of respect, I think. And I think they had like the whole sort of organization over. I think they had like the. It seemed like, like it. Levine, I seen him wandering around as yeah. well. It was, it was mad. Reggie Jackson was there, you know. Yeah. It just apart. seemed like it seemed yeah. like all the kind of main guys were there and yeah. were embracing it. And we, we were lucky enough uh, on the Friday we get tickets to the the batting practice thing. Yeah, yeah, I was there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was just brilliant. I mean, the only person that signed my top was Gio Urshela, right enough. Everyone else blanked me, but but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually, I remember we were right by the dugout that day and. Uh, I think Aaron Hicks, um, I always remember, he's quite a polarising player, isn't he, Hicks? Hicks yeah. Think, you know, with his injuries and stuff, but give him his due, it really stood out. He, he stood there for, it must have been an hour, signing every every autograph, you know, yeah. when everybody else had gone in. So, you know, that's the kind of stuff that sticks out. And then, you you know, you want to root for the guy a little bit more when, when you see that. Yeah, I, mean, I think that side of it, when, when they'll engage with the fans, it definitely makes you like them more yeah i was gutted because i missed big cc i was yeah. at the bar at the bar getting beer story of my life but yeah big cc was talking to everyone and i missed it because i was away getting beer well it was actually i told me uh my girlfriend was with us and uh she was in the in the queue getting water because it was so hot it, it was, was the other crazy thing. yeah um and she didn't know until the other day actually that prince harry would was there actually <laughs> was the bitch. i was like you were in the same building as him. <laughs> yeah, he's a mates fan. Yeah, yeah. He's a mates fan as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that, that was quite funny. Yeah, but uh, nah, brilliant. I think um, you know, and uh, my, my song sort of relates to sort of how hot, how hot it was <laughs> oh, that day. Man. It was just the hottest I've ever been in the UK. I think oh, it was just uh, it was surreal. And you just can't describe how hot it was before <laughs> the kind of hour before that game and the first hour of the game. It was just I was getting baked, and I, the relief I felt when this the shade of the the roof came over. Yeah. The oh, slightest I, movement, you were just you were drenched. Right? It was. Just... <laughs> the, the funny thing is, you've probably heard the story, but I booked my hotel for a month later for the Saturday yeah, night, yeah. right? Well, for the whole weekend, but they managed to get me in on the Friday night, and the the, the one down at Belushi's. Uh, so for the Saturday night, I could, the hotels were extortionate. Yeah. And I thought yeah. if I'm going to pay a lot of money, I might as well book one beside the the, the stadium. So yeah. I booked the Premier Inn, right? It was like five minutes walk from the stadium. And about four o'clock in the afternoon, I actually went back to the hotel, had a shower and got changed and came back out because yeah. it, I, I just felt terrible. I felt all sticky and hot. And, exactly. Yeah. It was it was, yeah, it was a godsend. Um, so that, that leads into to my next song, really. Yeah. I think it's quite symbolic as well.
Now you know that the time has come And they said it would never come for you Oh, oh, oh. oh my friends, you haven't changed You're looking rough and living strange And I know you've got a taste for it too Cast your pearls, but you're on the run And all the lies you said, who did you say? And then they played that song at the death disco It started fast, but it ends so slow And all the time just reminded me of you The Libertines don't look back into the sun Yeah, it's... um By far, my, my favourite band Um I've actually got got the tattoo uh <laughs> it's, it was a bit of a fad amongst libertines fans it's such a diehard yeah. fan base that they've got um but no a band you know pete doherty gets gets a bad rap but um such a talent for his drug drugs and you know his, his troubles and stuff but um i think as a songwriter just uh yeah chronically underrated um i think again for the libertines there was a time where it was almost like a supernova. It was so sort of short where they were at the peak, but it was right. it was so powerful. You had a couple of years there where they were you know, selling out massive sort of festivals and stuff, uh, massive arenas. Um, and it was that sort of after Oasis started sort of dying down, it was that, yeah. who, who was this next band? You had obviously, you know, the Libertines and... Uh, Arctic Monkeys and stuff like Arctic that. Arctic Monkeys, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, there was, a, there was a period there when, you know, Pete was... Was never off out of the papers, and um, but yeah, I mean, musically, yeah. it was just brilliant. And I think it's a band that you know really helped me out at a dark, darker time, you know, where it was maybe yeah. struggling a little bit. Um, and just the lyrics, I think everyone has that band where the lyrics are just so resonant. Um, yeah. and I've I've seen them live now, probably you know, probably about eight times maybe I met Pete yeah. a few times as well and just you know oh, totally yeah. different to to the caricature so yeah I think uh, that the media kind of are the paparazzi and stuff I mean I think they make these things a lot worse because they follow the people about and just make their life hell yeah and then yeah. then they take photos of them trying to deal with the hell that they've made their life and it's yeah, yeah. it's a vicious circle that's for sure yeah but what um, a talented guy yeah really just uh you know I think he was with Kate Moss, wasn't he, at one point, and it just yeah. became a bit, a bit of a, like you say, a tabloid sort of caricature, but, um, you know, really talented. I think he's in a really good place at the moment as well. I heard um, that, yeah. I think he's he's been clean of heroin for maybe a couple couple of years, and um, I think he's he's happily married now, probably living in, living in France, I think. He's met, yeah. met somebody who's been a really sort of steady influence on him, it seems, and... Uh, no, it's in, good. In a really good place, which is which is good to nah, see. it's good to see because it it, it it was actually quite tragic to see the way his life was going. But you can see how the the media feed into that and create and make these things worse. That's for sure. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So, question four: Who is your all-time favorite player? Well, this is it's always a tough one, isn't it? I think. Yeah. <laughs> different eras, different players. Um, I think sometimes, like you, even just attach yourself to. Just players that aren't even, you know, sort of unsung heroes. You know what I mean? But, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think three probably came to mind. Um, Gita, of course. You know, 
he basically helped me fall in love with the Yankees. Um, then Babe Ruth, how could you not? Sort of, yeah. He was just like, it's like Santa Claus with a baseball bat, wasn't he? <laughs> you just, you just kind of wish, wish he could have been around for that because he just looks yeah. so much fun. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, but I think I'll have to go with Joe DiMaggio. I think great choice um, just for the, the aura he, he seemed to convey um yeah. just the, i've read so much about him and, you know every documentary and stuff and just uh yeah just the, the epitome of class really class and, yeah without a doubt. Um, you know i think he won nine nine world series rings probably would have been more if he didn't you know serve in the war and stuff in the armed yeah. forces um again just a, a pop culture icon obviously with Marilyn Monroe associations and yeah, I think the, like the thing I think he was the only sort of steady thing in in her life. Yeah, and uh, just the dignified way he went about things, especially after after she tragically died and stuff like that. He just just a top guy, and the more you read about him, that you know, the media never really got got into him. If you know what I mean, because he yeah. he was so guarded and he just kind of but what a player as well as you say. I think Yogi's the only guy that's got more rings on him. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I think uh, as you say with with Dimaggio, I think um, I think he sent flowers to Marilyn Monroe's grave every single week uh, yeah. you know, after she died for, for the rest of his life. And I think, like you say, sometimes it was the the difference between the myth and the and the person. Really, I think he was almost like a blank canvas that people just sort of projected onto him everything yeah. that they needed him to be, and they really needed a hero at that time in America. I think, and it was. Um, you know, he, he sort of captivated people's imagination. Um, and as I say, just a pure winner. Um, I think, yeah. you know, there was one point where didn't he take himself out of a game because he was he was hobbled by an injury or something and he yeah. just uh, didn't want the Yankees to, to suffer as a result of his injury. Just just pure class. And, you know, I, I do think back now to when you see some of the guys who miss <laughs> games with injuries. And nothing, I think, yeah. Was it, was it Judge last year who was... Yeah, it was a low, lower body soreness or something. It yeah, was cool that I thought to myself, yeah, you know, who hasn't got that? You know, I know. <laughs> you know I I know. Mickey, Mickey uh, Mantle played all them years and yeah. put all them numbers up with one leg. Yeah, one, and one good year, obviously, you know, but, yeah. but but that's what makes the Yankees great. I think obviously the, the, the European connection with DiMaggio as well, with, with the Italian American sort of heritage, and yeah. he spends a bit of time in Italy actually as well um later in, in in his life and i think um you know that that sort of sways me i think to to, to maybe put him as the the ultimate sort of yeah uh, i mean icon. The, the thing with the yankees is when you go back to the history of them it's just so many guys with great stories and amazing numbers but you know it's so difficult to pick um we did the draft show a few years ago i don't know if you got a chance to hear yeah. that we drafted yeah. our all-time favorite team see doing that i think we should do it again and get more folk involved because see the actual doing the research before it yeah. it was brilliant fun it really was you just got I, mean, I, I must have i don't know how many nights i spent just going through and looking at all videos and hanging through but all the history and reading stuff about it that was more fun than doing the podcast see just yeah, like, yeah, learning just, about all these players it was oh mate you could probably field four or five teams that are just Easy. you know you know, would be any other team's best best lineup. You know, <laughs> I know. Uh, it's... madness, just 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 brilliant. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you say, DiMaggio, um, you know, not just you know, he just transcended transcended the game yeah. like so many Yankees players. I think. Yeah, I, I think so. I think. I mean, I think 
yeah, you can see without a doubt like Babe Ruth totally transcended the sport. You didn't you don't need to be know anything about baseball to know who Babe Ruth is. And yeah. there is certain guys like that, like Michael Jordan, for instance, in basketball. Uh, I think the Maggio, without a doubt, was that guy. Um, yeah, he just exactly. had everything going for him. So, and that, that sort of feeds into to my next song. So um, again, it sort of it does a, a lyrical reference to DiMaggio in this song, and it's sort yeah. of uh, it's that sort of motif, isn't it? Of how he was, uh, you know, look, America sort of looked to him as as this sort of great figurehead, um, and he was sort of everything great about the the American dream, wasn't he? Really, at, at yeah, that time, exactly. and. Uh, you know, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant song as well to boost. to fade this back up here for this bit. story he was a bit peeved about being mentioned in that and I think he was yeah. he was like you know because he was a very proud man Joe DiMaggio yeah, that was, was yeah. one thing you know um and he was like why are you saying I've gone away you know I've, <laughs> I've not gone away anywhere yeah. until here you know but I think uh the guy said it was just you know he was uh it was more a tribute wasn't it than anything yeah else. um say what's his name Paul Simon is a massive Yankees fan yeah, huge, yeah. huge Yankees fan. I don't know if you've ever seen the concert they did in Central Park. No, no, unbelievable. I, I can't remember how many people were there. It's yeah. hundreds of thousands of people at yeah. this gig in in Central Park, and it's uh, there's a live recording of it. It's fantastic. Yeah. I, my my dad's a huge Simon Garfunkel fan, so we used to listen to him all the time. And we had a a tape in the car of that live gig. Yeah. It's fantastic. Absolutely. I think, um, I think he played at Yankee Stadium, didn't he? After. Yeah. After Joe passed away, like uh, there's a bit of a ceremony, and uh, obviously, I think he played on the field acoustic, and it was he just did, yeah. really he's, he, um, he's a huge, huge, huge Yankees fan, Paul Simon, yeah. an amazing songwriter, uh, one of the greatest ever, actually. But yeah, great choice, mate. I love it. And DiMaggio, as you say, just I think he was a perfectionist yeah. in everything, so he, he was kind of looking at a negative in that in the song rather than, yeah, I think um, you know, it was a bit of a tribute to him. I think he, there's a great book by, um. I think it's Richard Kramer, is it? The Maggio book, and it's just absolutely it's brilliant. And he was, uh, like you say, Joey was, um, 
he was obsessed with it, with his image and you know fancy yeah, you know looking, looking great and stuff and uh yeah and again just just brilliant that that really captures the whole sort of era and you know what he meant to to not only sport yeah. but america as a country as well so yeah brilliant can't listen to that without getting goosebumps sometimes yeah it's a great song great choice right i love this question so we've created a time machine and we can transport you back to any game or moment in yankees history so you can attend their live which one would you choose <laughs> I know so, many, it? uh, hard. so many sprung to mind i think um i was gonna go with the first ever game at yankee stadium in 1923 so obviously you, you had roof and i think it's like yeah. 74,000 people there it would have just been bonkers but um the one i'm gonna go for is uh, given my my story and everything is the aaron boone uh, walk off in game <laughs> seven, 2003. I think uh, I might have chose the same one. Yeah, anyway. yeah, I think, I, think I did. Yeah. Uh, obviously, to win the pennant against your, your biggest rivals with one swing of the bat, it's uh, it's the stuff of backyard dreams, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Um, oh, I, I think going crazy. I watched that live and was going yeah. off my head. Oh, going man. back to the to the football comparisons as well. I think that was probably the the atmosphere in the stadium that at that moment was probably the closest you'll ever get to a baseball crowd like reacting yeah. like a you know like a, a full-on football crowd like a like yeah. a stop time winner it was just pandemonium um because again it's it's quite a it's a different totally different sort of atmosphere at, at the baseball isn't it and it, it doesn't yeah. really lend itself to them sort of ultra dramatic moments too often um, no I, I think it the the one of the things when we talked about london series certainly was that the there was definitely a British flavour to the way the crowd were reacting. So although yeah. there was a lot of Americans there, the, the British were kind of more into kind of singing a lot more and yeah. keeping a bit of atmosphere going, whereas in the baseball in America, it tends to be quite fabricated at times. Yeah. Now, I've been lucky enough to to beat quite a few baseball games over there. And um, I've never been to a playoff game yet, which is, is sort of on the bucket list. But I did go to Toronto to see the Yankees twice in the same year I was over with work yeah. and the first time was a nothing game at the start of the season roof closed and there was no atmosphere the place was wasn't very busy to be honest I went back in August when the Yankees and it might even have been something no, I think it was I think it was August and the Yankees and Reds eh, Toronto were going for the the division that year it was when they signed for Troy Tulowitzki and uh, Price, Price and yeah. quite a few of them guys and, and they were buoyed by it and uh, I went to that series and it was more like a playoff atmosphere. It was electric and yeah. what a difference. And you can just kind of see when something's on the line like that. But it's such a long season and that's I think that's yeah. half the problem. You know, and it was it was almost like I felt like that that boon home run was um it was always like the the last great sort of it was the end of an era almost, wasn't yeah. it? It was uh they got they got us back the year after when they yeah. you know <laughs> that was that was the killer. Um but it's yeah, interesting, like I read something or heard it somewhere. Like if Boone didn't hit that home run, uh, there's probably no chance that he's the manager now. You know, it's yeah. uh, it, but it, 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 the Yankees have them sort of um, unsung heroes. You know, guys like Scott Brosius. Brosius, uh, I love Brosius's story as well. Yeah, you know, they, they just Clutch hits and the just, guys yeah. just pop up out of nowhere and you know come up big. That's what the Yankees are all about in this. So um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to be transported back to that you know in, uh, in the bleachers when, the, when that ball goes soaring over you know just uh, oh, mate, it was just i mean i was in my living room in my flat going crazy i can't imagine what it would be like to be in the stadium and witness that but 
Yeah, as you say, it was kind of Indian era because then Boone goes out and does his knee playing basketball. Yeah. They traded for A-Rod, which yeah. was a roller coaster. It's probably the best way to describe it. But <laughs> the Yankees were still successful throughout that. The rest, of the, I think they won the division pretty yeah. much every year in that decade. I don't know; they maybe lost it once. Um, but they were still the kind of dominant team in it. They just couldn't get couldn't get over the line in the postseason. It was crazy. Yeah, because the Red Sox sort of like they had a monopoly on the wild card, didn't they? Almost That's right. Like, yeah, they, uh, they kind of I, won anything. It was through the wild card. It's the Yankees were still still on top, but um, just couldn't get it done. That era, without a doubt, the AL East in that era, Yankees Red Sox dominated it, and it was the sort of dominant division. It was seen as a monster division in baseball, and. Yeah. The, the wild card was guaranteed to come from there. It really was. So, as you say, it, it was always the, the two teams making the postseason. But the Yankees seemed to always win the division back then. They just never, yeah, yeah. crazy times, great times to think back to because the rivalry was strong back then. I don't think it is anymore. No, I think it's. It, I think it's maybe a bit overplayed um, by by the media. I, I can understand where other you know neutrals get sick of maybe watching Yankees Red Sox on Sunday night baseball or whatever. And they go they go on for hours as well, the games these yeah. days, you but, know. Well, in, in two thousand and three, four, like you say, just The just, players genuinely hated each other though. It the, was it was brutal. It was it was warfare, you know, and again, it was. Um yeah. you know in the in the book uh, obviously go into a bit more detail on the and the history and stuff, but even off the field, you know, just competing for players and yeah. Leo Epstein with the Red Sox, uh, you know, trying to sort of topple Steinbrenner, you know, and it was just, um, yeah, it, that was... Well, we we stole A-Rod. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We yeah. stole A-Rod from under their noses. Yeah. And then, yeah, there was loads that used to go on back then. And the rivalry, I think, was was at its peak. I think that was the last time baseball was probably, you know, probably the number one sport in America at that point. Yeah, um, I think so. You know, I think probably the NFL, NBA, has probably taken over since, but... Yeah, again, you know that boon moment just really stoked up the, the rivalry, didn't it? And then, yeah, you know. I've got to admit, I'm kind of seriously fearful at the moment for what damage this is doing to the sport, this locker, because yeah. it's a horrible look at a time when baseball's already had, you know, had taken a few knocks, and as you say, NBA and NFL are miles ahead now. Um, you're even starting to, to see it. Yeah, um, I think there's almost like an unwillingness even to get around the table and thrash this out almost it's, you know? um, it's just a horrible look it, it doesn't bad, look yeah. good for anyone it's you know it, it hurts yeah i was i was i was quite hurt as a fan you know with the the 2020 stuff and yeah the way they they couldn't put the differences aside to do something you know for when the country needed it for morale and stuff and it was just you know it was it, it gradually just eroding that trust yeah. of the fan i think and you know you hope that it could just be resolved without missing games, but yeah, I mean, you know your you know your history of this sport as good as anyone, and, and you look back at it that the owners definitely have never acted very well throughout yeah. history of the sport, and I think they still have that belief that they can kind of own the players, and I think now the players have just got to the stage where you know life changed and they're not going to be held to ransom. And I don't see, I don't think the season's going to go off. No. Um, at, the, at the set time I think it's going to be late and I think it's going to be a horrible look for baseball and I, I think they'll lose a lot of support because of it I think there are a lot of people just with everything going on in the world the pandemic and, and the pandemic seems to be getting worse at the moment rather than better I don't think it's the right time to be doing this kind of stuff and I think it's, yeah. it's going to really hurt the sport some, some of the stuff that MLB have done as well you know with the when they took all the, the imagery off the websites and stuff and yeah. it's just a, there's no news and 
you know, for years we've said, you know, baseball needs to be attracting younger fans by the way the NBA just, it's so, you know, they cut up the highlights for, for Twitter and it looks great. Yeah. In like 10, 30 second clips, you know, um, it really just, it's really that star driven league, isn't it? I think, yeah. again, baseball is just, you know, at a time where we need to be going in that direction, it's totally just, you know, Cut, cut all ties with the media almost, doesn't it? It's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I see um, Ken Rosenthal's been taken off of it because he was critical of Manfred. I mean, come on. That was that like was Pravda. really, really sort of disappointing. Um, you know, Rosenthal, just one of the best sort of newsbreakers. I think he loves him. Um, you know, yeah, I think he's universally liked. I don't know anybody that doesn't like him. I mean, he's quirky. Yeah. He's he's good. He's good at what he does. It's crazy. And he, you know, he just stays of opinion, didn't he? That, you know, he said some of the things that we've just said there, you know, in terms of the fans are getting a bit sort of sick of this. And then yeah. obviously it's almost like state run media, isn't it? MLB That's network. what it's like. That's, it's like Pravda. It really is. It's, it's horrendous. Yeah. All righty. So we'll take you on to song five. Yeah. So this is uh, um, obviously Yankees victory song. Uh, I think they, they, don't they play a different version if they lose at the end of the game? I think so, yeah. The Sinatra version is the, the, the if they win, um, they play that, don't they? So obviously, I felt like it was fitting with the, uh, with the Boone home run. So uh, New York, New York by Frank Sinatra. Start spreading the news You're leaving today Tell them, Frank I want to be a part of it New York, New York Your vagabond shoes They are longing to stray And step around the heart of it New York, New York I want to wake up In that city that doesn't sleep And find your king of the hill Top of the heap I accidentally played one with uh, Tony Bennett there. I didn't realise that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like that that, version, yeah, brilliant. I was actually like it didn't sound like Frank Sinatra at first, then realised it's Tony <laughs> Bennett as well. Take it away, Frank, yeah. yeah. <laughs> brilliant. I think yeah. um there's actually a bit of a, a bit of a rivalry between Sinatra and DiMaggio, I believe. Um, right. around I don't know, Marilyn Monroe as well. Again, bit of a bit of a love triangle there. Maybe one to dig into a little bit more. Yeah, but, I'm uh, into that. You could, obviously, you know, from a very sort of similar background and um yeah i guess both sort of that sort of italian american sort of uh, yeah. you know icon i guess it was a bit of a bit of a power play between them two as well so yeah uh, but yeah great great song and you know as i say in the aftermath of that home run i can only imagine what what it would have been like there when that was played just uh just bonkers i'd imagine but no, even just the Buzz leaving the stadium onto the subway and all that. It must yeah. have been the whole subway must have been bouncing. It'd have been great. Yeah. yeah. It's uh yeah, it's one of the sides of of DiMaggio without a doubt. I think he banned the Kennedys from her funeral as well. Yeah, again, I, I, that was they were involved and in the, there's a, there's all sort of 
there's whispers, isn't there, of like the, the mafia involvement and stuff like that. Obviously, I've yeah. not looked into it too much, but there's uh, all manner of con- conspiracy theories around them and stuff. But yeah. it, again, just just fascinating. It just shows you how you know fascinating these these icons were. And I don't think we have that sort of that sort of major those major figureheads role models yeah. anymore. I think it, it we're a bit fractured in terms of. I think it's a bit sanitised these days as well. Yeah. You know, they're all media trained. They're all kind of, yeah. you know, I don't know. I think that the sport in general these days, a lot of the guys, you know, I think on this podcast, we've had a, a couple of guys from MLB sort of, um, what do you call it, minor league players and stuff and coaches on. And you can tell the answers are given. They, they don't kind of let themselves go. That's what I love about like R2C2, uh, yeah. CC's podcast. The players kind of talk a bit more freely on that, but a lot of the th- stuff these days, it's all sort of media trained and it's all about maintaining the image of the team and all that kind of stuff. So you don't really get to see the real players. But back then, I think it was you know, certainly Babe Ruth anyway. <laughs> it was more genuine yeah. than real. It's a bit sterile, isn't it? Like it's yeah, sterile was a good word. Yeah, it's just regurgitated lines, isn't it, almost? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean... I think we've seen that with like Clint Fraser maybe recently with the Yankees and stuff, yeah. you know, where he's like that expression out. is there, yeah. Yeah, he's, he seems to be, and there's a lot of Yankees fans jumping down his throat for saying he's happy to be away. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, can't, you can't do it. Like, the, guy, the guy never got a chance and was pretty much chastised for having a personality. Yeah. Uh, you can't blame him for being happy to be away because I think that Yankees handled him really badly and quite a few other players in recent times, so. Yeah, exactly. All righty. So the sixth and final question, now if there's one guy to ask about baseball books, it's got to be yourself. So <laughs> on your on this desert island we're casting you away to, you can take one luxury item and one baseball book with you. Um, so you can choose what one you want to talk about first. Yeah, I'll do go with the item first. I think, um, I don't know if it's luxury, but I'd, I'd just choose a pen and a notebook, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't live without it, you know, getting yeah. my thoughts down and you know uh just writing it's my sort of form of therapy really you know yeah, just brilliant. Get, getting that out there so yeah i'd probably take a pen and a notebook um pretty old school and then the book as you say just um i've got a bookshelf here probably two or three hundred baseball books easy um just it's my sort of obsession i think yeah um loads of yankees books as well i think the dimaggio book we've we spoke about it definitely up there um but the one i've actually gone for is it's the last night of the yankee dynasty by buster olney yeah um, it was released in the was it, the early 2000s it, it sort of captures that those dynasty years and how it sort of came to an end um yeah. as we've spoke about but um the level of description and, and detail and access that only gets in that book it, it's unbelievable uh, you see the players on on, on a different sort of dimension, really. And I think, Brilliant. I know a lot of people, um, you know, probably maybe only has become a bit sort of vanilla as a, you know, ESPN yeah. sort of talking head almost, but um, he was a terrific writer back in the day um, with the New York Times. You know, that's where I think he started out in baseball and um, done some some terrific reporting. Um, yeah. Great use of, use of language. And I think that book really sort of stands up um, you know, it stands the test of time as well as it, you know, what, what it's speaking about the era. So yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably pick that one from a Yankees perspective. Um, 
you know, you can never tire of reading about that that era. I don't think. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah Super. Fantastic. Fantastic piece of work. Great stuff. Yeah. So I, I'll need to check that one out. As I said, I've said many times, I'm not an avid reader, but when I finally get back to traveling with work, I've got Audible now, so I'm going to start listening to a lot of books as I as I go. Um, great stuff. So that brings us on to your final song. And I've got to admit, I wasn't familiar with this song myself. Yeah, it's. Um, I thought it was. We started with a with a local song. I thought it'd be be good to to end on another uh, local sort of up and coming band. So, um, Rats they're called, and uh, Joe Maddox, the frontman. Um, really talented young lad. Um, you know, just uh, again working class lad, and he's you know he's doing great things. He's uh, I think he got a, a record deal recently. Um, got a few songs out there on on sort of. Um, iTunes and stuff and uh yeah really if this encourages anyone to just check them out I think it'd be be brilliant like it's uh, a song that really sort of speaks to me as well just in terms of my sort of story and you know maybe sort of overcoming issues and stuff like that so yeah yeah it's um it's called figure it out by rat distinctive sound i think um yeah yeah he's a a great lad as well he's uh just really passionate about his music he plays in bars and stuff in uh in uh, merseyside and he's just um you know really good lad so yeah good people check him out it's uh it's rats um great up-and-coming band if you want to get on them early and then you can uh it's that thing isn't it when you get on a band early you can tell all your mates then when they they (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's what i like about doing this i always discover from new bands yeah. andy's won the last one he gave me a couple of bands to listen to which i'm quite enjoying at the moment so i'll definitely check this out yeah definitely well ryan before we send you away to this desert island um can you tell people where they can find your work because i think it is important that people go and check it out because honestly his writing style is fantastic uh, thanks a lot kev um yeah so i do a lot of i've got my own website these days so uh ryanferguson.co.uk um yeah, again, just a, it's more of a passion project at this point, but plenty of articles on there. Um, all the archives as well, going back years, you know, the baseball writing and stuff. So plenty to check out there. Loads of Yankees stuff as well. Um, you know, and you, you can keep up to date with all the work there, really. Um, yeah, just brilliant. Thanks for this opportunity. It's great to uh, to come on. And, you know, it's it's, it's great, as you say, to... to keep that flame going for, for British baseball, isn't it? And, uh, yeah. In sort of dark that. times as well. Um so hopefully we can we can get the season up and running soon and you know get get back to some kind of normality, I think. Yeah, without a doubt. I think that's what we're we're all wanting. Let's hope they get it sorted out soon. 
Uh, listen, thanks again for your time. It's been fantastic tonight. I really enjoyed it or this morning. I keep saying tonight because I'm used to saying <laughs> that. Um, but yeah, no, thanks very much. And um, I'm afraid I now need to cast you away to your desert island. So enjoy yourself. Thanks, <laughs> Kev. Uh, Thank you.